Welcome to the Institute of World Politics podcast. IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. To learn more, please visit www.iwp.edu. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you for attending this lecture at the Institute of World Politics. For those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and our new doctoral program. If you are interested in learning more about us, please feel free to speak to one of our staff at the conclusion of the event. Today's lecture will be given by Admiral Paul Becker. He is known for his success leading large, diverse, high-performing organizations in peace, crisis, and combat. He is a, a, a dynamic public speaker and author whose articles and interviews have been widely published. Upon his retirement in 2016, the Naval Intelligence Community established the Rear Admiral Paul, Be Paul Becker Teamwork Tone Tenacity Leadership Award in his honor. Please join me in welcoming Admiral Becker. Thank you, shipmate. <laughs> that's, that's the highest compliment we give in the Navy, call someone a shipmate. Most of that was true. Uh, good to see you. Uh, there are smiles and... I can feel a little enthusiasm and camaraderie. That's how I know I'm not in the Pentagon. Right? You know, and for those of you who haven't been there over in Arlington, it's a building with five sides on every issue, you may think, from the Institute uh, of World Politics. Uh, but today, just uh, one issue, but with many facets to it, and, and that's uh, leadership. Uh, because I've thought about this, and uh, we just don't need good leaders in the military, we need good leaders in society. And we need good leaders that understand policy. And we need good leaders that understand politics. Right? I had my option uh, a year plus ago when I was part of the president's transition team. I was the Intel community landing team leader, the IC lead. And uh, at the end of such an effort, you're invariably given the opportunity to return to government service and uh, become the deputy assistant junior under secretary of something or other. Uh, but uh, it's not what I wanted to do uh, after uh, working for 33 years in uniform. Uh, I have a passion for sharing what I've learned about leadership in the military out in the real world. Uh, and uh, coming on two years of that now, and uh, it's eye-opening, and it's a lot of fun. And I'd rather keep doing that. Uh, I've had some medical hurdles along the way, I won't bore you with them all, but uh, it also gives me the chance to share these lessons on leadership to improve the patient experience and the quality of care with healthcare professionals as well. So that's uh, getting to Simon Sinek's why. Uh, do I talk about leadership? And uh, without further ado, uh, I'll get uh, to that. Um, but before I do, right, you know, I asked uh, Chris uh, before I began speaking, Hey, how many people do you think this room would sit? And he said, he wasn't sure, but uh, last month it slept about 20. Uh, so make sure if you pick the 4 or 5 o'clock afternoon spot that you are the dynamic speaker that uh, you know, your bio says you are. So uh, I will do my best in that regard. Right? And in typical military fashion, with an hour allocated uh, for us here, uh, I'll speak for about 59 minutes and then open the floor to questions and whatever you'd like to cover. We you know, should have plenty of time right, to, to get to those. 
Okay, when I was growing up in the 1960s in New York City, I had a great set of parents. They'd plop me down in front of the television set for hours and hours at a time and tell me to behave. So, uh, without having met people in the military or lived near a military base, these were my ideas of uh, who were leaders and military heroes. All right? uh, you know most of their names. If there's any of them you don't know, raise your hand and I'll, uh, I'll be happy to point it out to you. But you could see uh, I have a bit of an irreverent streak in me by uh, the folks that I thought uh, were good leaders. But on the whole, the, the characteristics that these folks had going for them, and, and this was my early impression of what a leader was or should be, was they were taller, they were better looking, they were smarter, they were braver, uh, and uh, they were more heroic than your, your average person. Um, I was 0 for 5 in those categories, right, when I did a little bit of self-assessment. Uh, and I did want to join the Navy, though, right? The guy in the lower left is Ernest Borgnine, the actor who played uh, Lieutenant Quentin McHale in McHale's Navy. And not only was he a, a leader in war, but he seemed to be having a plenty good time in the South Pacific. So that interested me more than uh, living in a foxhole or, uh, you know, being shot at and, uh, you know, having to deal with rain and, and snow. And the Navy ended up uh, being my chosen path. So off I went. And I soon found out at the Naval Academy, and then not long after that, once I joined the fleet, that, wow, leaders come in all shapes or sizes, right? They didn't have to be the tall white man, right? I, I found plenty of leaders of different genders, of different uh, ethnic origins, uh, of different colors, and of different types. Uh, and that really struck me and uh, made a great impression on me that there'd be a chance for me, because I was 0 for 5, remember, in those uh, key categories. So by the time I got to the fleet, uh, I got to see some great leaders, I got to see some terrible leaders, uh, but uh, I knew one size didn't fit all. So it gets to one of my bottom lines that I think the leaders uh, are not born, they can be bred. And that's why I'm passionate about sharing some lessons, and you never get it all in one-stop shopping, right? There's no one lesson that you come out of a lecture, ah, now I know how to be a good leader. It's a patient accumulation of advantages. Wait a minute, that's how the Chinese describe what they're up to in the South China Sea. Uh, I take back that phrase, but uh, the concept applies, right? It's, a, uh, it's an accumulation uh, of bits and pieces and bite-sized chunks. And I hope this uh, is added to your library of uh, such studies. Okay. Uh, hmm. A uh, little bit about not each one of these stories, but uh, this is a prelude to leadership, right? Either in Navy uniform, you can see khakis in the middle uh, with the famous comic uh, on the left, uh, Jay Leno, and then other people who I have memorable experiences and some of them were senior to me, and some of them were junior to me. So a key lesson that I, I took away about leadership once I was in the fleet, and once uh, even as a fleet sailor, I spent an awful lot of time ashore in landlocked countries. That was the nature of combat over the last uh, couple of decades. And the key point I took away right, from, from here, for example, 
uh, in the upper right, that's a marine sergeant. And I learned more about intelligence, human intelligence, counterintelligence, how to run counterintelligence organizations from him, who in real life is a New York City cop, right? Only he was activated to be a Marine Sergeant in the Reserve. So I learned more about that field of the profession as a, a one star at that point in the, in the military for over 25 years from him. And a key lesson for me there is uh, it's okay to be reverse mentored. Right? You know, a lot of people are, uh, are reluctant to take advice and really sit down and learn with someone younger or junior to them, right, in an organization. Uh, but that's a type of inclusiveness that I found very valuable, and I'd ask you to be open uh, to that experience as well. I won't bore you with uh, the sea stories. Until the questions and answers, we can come back to any of them. Ah, now. Here are some more of the classic leaders that you may study about here at the Institute for, for World Politics. And I'll get to the teamwork tone tenacity part in just a bit. But this is a little bit of a scene setter. And I learned teamwork and tone and tenacity from every one uh, of the folks that we, we just covered, including Jay Leno, right? Uh, and we'll come back to it. But uh, from the top left, there's General Stan McChrystal. Uh, former director of uh, the Joint Special Operations Command and International Security Assistance Forces in Afghan. Uh, Admiral Stavridis, uh, who was NATO's Supreme uh, Commander and the European Commander, now the uh, Dean at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. Uh, General Dempsey was Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I was his J2, Director of Intelligence, for a couple of years. Lower left, still uh, the director of NSA and Commander Cybercom, Admiral Rogers, who I've worked with several times, General Petraeus, uh, front and center, lower, uh, who I've worked with several times, both in the Central Command headquarters and forward in Southwest Asia. And then there's people uh, who you may not know their names, but I'll tell you about them and come back to them later. That's uh, the world's strongest Master Chief, Todd Schroeder. Uh, he's now retired, but he's the powerlifting coach at the U.S. Naval Academy. And there's uh, Colonel Annette Teresi, who's a retired Army MI officer. And Annette now works for General Dynamics, but uh, uh, the most tenacious professional officer I ever worked with. Back to the point that you don't have to be a general and wearing a lot of stars right, to be a leader. And uh, some people I've learned a great deal from. Okay, uh, why, why teamwork, tone, tenacity? I'll get to, to each of the attributes uh, in a bit. But there are longer, better lists, uh, I think, of what comprises uh, leadership characteristics and treaties on leadership. Only I can't remember them, right? There are cognitive studies done on this, and people generally remember things in threes. Uh, even better if there's some alliteration or a little bit of a hook and a catch to it. Uh, so, uh, hard consonant, T, useful, but they need to be the right words, and I'll, I'll discuss the components of, of what I think are teamwork, tone, tenacity in a bit. But, uh, listen, look, I, I read a lot, and I bet you you do too. If you're in this room, you're a reader, okay? Uh, and I've read and studied leadership for a long time and I'm always trying to improve on it. And there are great lists that I have earmarked in my office at home and I use all the time. There's uh, Marcus Aurelius's collection of writings called Meditations, right? 
former Roman emperor. He knew a lot more about leadership, I think, than me. Uh, you know, but the shortest he can come up with was 10, which is too much for me to remember. Then there is General Colin Powell, right, a former, well, he's done a lot of big things for our country, and still doing it. Uh, he has uh, really a benchmark study that the military, not study, but uh, just a, a thought piece that, that he uh, presented when he was chairman, 13 rules for leadership. They're great. I have a earmark. I reference them all the time. I can't remember them, <laughs> right, unless I'm looking at a list of 13 things. Uh, Stephen Covey, he's got seven habits. Had to write a book about the eighth habit because couldn't fit them all into one book. And, and then there's one I like from uh, a professor, John Maxwell, uh, a real social scientist of some renown. I really like what he has to say. And he's got, he has best-selling book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And if I can't remember 10, you know, 21 is hopeless for quick recall, but I have them handy. So I like the idea of teamwork, tone, tenacity, because it's short, it's memorable, it's actionable. And ultimately, uh, when you're faced with leadership situations, you may or may not have the luxury of time and deliberate planning on how to approach it. But when the poo hits the fan, huh? uh, and whether it's a family crisis, whether it's a professional crisis, whether it's a, a financial crisis, uh, uh, okay, what's a framework that I need to fall back on? In, in today's soundbite uh, intensive, right, information intensive, uh, Facebook friending, look, you know, LinkedIn looking, uh, Twitter tuned, high impact communication world, uh, it's good, in my opinion, to have a framework that you can fall back on immediately and say, okay, what are some of the key structural themes I need to use in this leadership event, right? long-term or short-term. And teamwork, tone, tenacity fit that bill. And, and it's a triangle, right? Uh, picture an equilateral triangle with three Ts. This is my next graphic. I just haven't mastered uh, you know, the PowerPoints just yet. But uh, ideally, teamwork, tone, tenacity are re mutually reinforcing. Right? You want an equilateral triangle, but it depends on the situation which one's more important. Right? Is teamwork more important than tone? Uh, the Ivy League answer is it depends. Right? You know? uh, and same thing with tenacity. But one thing's for sure. If you're missing one of the three elements, ooh, then you don't have a triangle anymore. Then you just have a couple of sticks that fall down on themselves, and they're, you know, they're not a comprehensive geometric diagram, and that's the sweet spot of what leadership will be. So I'll, I'll talk about each of these folks and my experiences working directly for them. I didn't pull them out because uh, they're probably some of the most renowned senior military leaders of this generation, but I found myself uh, post 9-11 in a Forrest Gump-like situation as an intel officer where I worked uh, directly for uh, five of those, right? And then I worked directly with uh, the Master Chief uh, and the Colonel on the lower right. So really incredible string of circumstances, most of it in the deserts or the mountains instead of being afloat like a sailor should be. But that's where I was uh, through a, a good chunk of the last uh, decade plus. Okay, teamwork. Start drilling down on some of these uh, characteristics of 
these lessons that I learned in the military, but clearly they apply anywhere and everywhere. Okay, uh, one of the most overlooked aspects, I think, of being a leader is that a leader has to build relationships. And the goal of building relationships isn't to have a quantity of relationships. Right? It's not LinkedIn or Facebook, oh, I'm up to 3,300 contacts now. Uh, that's not relationships, those are just contacts. Okay? The, the byproduct of relationships is that you start building up trust with someone. Right? It's the quality of the relationships that bring you somewhere. And when you have some quality in your relationships, well, then you start building up trust between one another. And then the byproduct of trust, right, follow me here, so relationships help develop trust, and the byproduct of trust is developing loyalty. And bar none, uh, the best teams that I was ever part of or that I wasn't part of, but I envied and admired from across the air base or across the naval station or across uh, you know, the, uh, the army uh, compound, the teams that were loyal to each other were the better teams. So uh, there, there's a, a follow there. Team, relationships, uh, trust, and then loyalty. And loyalty gives you something to fall back on when you disagree on the specifics of an issue, right? Teamwork doesn't mean perfect harmony, right? There are teams of rivals. It's good to have discourse. Teamwork doesn't mean big sizes. Could be a small team. In fact, you make the good argument smaller teams are more effective than larger teams. It's tough to scale trust and loyalty from a small unit to a very large unit. But uh, when you have loyalty and trust in one another, suppose you disagree on a professional topic. Ah, well now you have something to fall back on where you know the individual and you don't uh, let it tumble into a state of public discourse, you know, which sadly I think uh, is a characteristic of current uh, political right, uh, and civic discussions. It's, it's a shame that we've hit that point. Uh, what can you say about those folks? Well, they probably don't trust each other. They're probably not loyal to each other. They may have a relationship, but it may not be a, a very positive relationship. So back to the quality instead of the quantity, and then the trust and loyalty. And if you don't have trust, well, the, well what's the opposite of trust? Hmm. Uh, distrust is the easy answer. You know, that's, a, that's an easy wordplay. But it's... Uh, it's it's uh, jealousy, right? It's discord, it's disunity, right? Uh, and it's suboptimized performance, uh, and that's uh, the antithesis uh, of what teamwork is. So even if something is as linear and non-complex as pulling on this uh, line that's uh, going over the the side of the ship to shore, right? You know the old, you've seen this on cartoon shows, right? If the back five people on that rope all let go as part of a prank, right? The, the front three people are either going to all fall backwards, you know, on the, you know and, and hurt themselves, or the other team's going to yank them into the, uh, the mosh pit, you know, in front of them. 
So there's an element of trust that you see even here on something linearly. But as future policymakers and political leaders, younger folks in this room, uh, you're going to have the chance to, to operate in that third dimension uh, of trust and confidence with others that you may need for a short term or long term. So uh, you want to build teamwork, uh, and you do that through relationships, trust, and loyalty. Ah, but Becker, you may be thinking, but no one's asked yet. Feel free to raise your hand any time, or we'll, we'll really have time for questions and answers at the end. How do you build trust? Okay, I got you. Build trust. Easier said than done. How do you build trust? Ah, I have the answer. Um, do what you say you're going to do is the simplest uh, response I can give to you. Uh, it's a variation of honesty. It's, it, it is honesty. Uh, but it's a variation on the definition of the word integrity, right? Which often means uh, and referred to as doing the right thing. Person of integrity uh, does the right thing. Um, person who's honest keeps their word. The best way to build up trust with someone is when you tell them, I'll be there at 8 o'clock. Well, you're there at 8 o'clock, right? You're not a no-show. You're not there at 8.15. Or you're going to deliver something in writing that's going to be ready enough to give to the boss and uh, the, the office will be satisfied. Make sure that it's quality controlled and delivered on time, right? The patient accumulation uh, of these small steps is the best way to build trust. If I had uh, my choice, the best way to build trust, right, if we were just put together in a room right here, all of us right now, build, build a team, build a trust. If I had uh, time and resources, I'd get a few uh, uh, cases of soft and hard drinks and take us on a whitewater rafting trip, right? And uh, we, we'd go away for about three days and we'd come back and I bet you there'd be a lot of trust and loyalty amongst us more so than you can get in a 55-minute lecture, all right? So consider, right, the temporal aspect to building trust. Doesn't happen overnight, and consistency and honesty and integrity are all part of the building blocks of that formula. So that's teamwork, okay? Oh, tone. Uh, there are a lot of aspects to tone. Uh, Sometimes you don't have to say a thing, and you're just inspired by someone's attitude and tone. Um, this is an epic photo of our generation. Right? Uh, no words need to be said. Right? You know what happened, you know what they're thinking, you know how you feel. That sets a good tone. Okay? Uh, other aspects of tone. Right? Uh, Maintaining your cool under pressure. Right? Thomas Jefferson has a pretty famous citation. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'd know. I, I used it just uh, yesterday or the day before, I think. Nothing uh, ever helps someone maintain control over a situation than maintaining uh, their, uh, their calm under all circumstances. So that's an aspect of tone. Um, back to the poo hitting the fan analogy. That's as hard as I'll curse here, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with you know, Chris here. You know, you know, very soft triggers nowadays to end up uh, in the wrong place uh, in the public spotlight. And I won't bring us there. I respect the integrity of uh, the IWP. But uh, 
all right, when the poo does hit the fan, you know, how, how do you react? My instinct is to go loud, because I'm a New Yorker, right, and uh, start moving my arms and, uh, you know, generate a lot of motion. Uh, I found out that's counterproductive in both the military, you know, for the years I was in uniform, and in business uh, as well. There's something to be said for that calm demeanor, right? And it didn't come naturally to me. And I was counseled on it, right, over the years, that this is a way for you to improve. So that's an example of tone. But there are other examples of tone, right? Uh, back to some of those bosses there. It happened to be the Navy uh, bosses, Stavridis and Rogers, um, admirals, Stavridis and Rogers. When they would come around and ask you, how you doing, right? It wasn't the precursory, hey, how you doing? Okay, you know, and you give the head nod like uh, Joey from Friends and, and you keep moving along, right? It's, how are you doing? And until you gave them a pretty decent answer, they weren't leaving. <laughs> like, no, how are you doing? You know, wife, okay, kids fine. You moved to Annapolis last year, if I recall. How's that going for you? How are these projects going? When we'd sit at a table, right, a group project, ultimately that the admirals were accountable for, probably going to SecDef or uh, the president, you know, on, on the levels of interaction they had, uh, they would ask the folks at the table, right, I may have been their director of intelligence, but there were plenty of people, some of them here in this room, you know, that actually contributed to it way more than I did. And these admirals would say, well, what do you think? How should we approach it, right? It was an inclusive feeling uh, whenever we were with uh, Admirals uh, Stavridis and, and Rogers, right? And that's, that leaves a great impression uh, that they're great leaders. And it left a great impression that they're great leaders because you felt like you belonged. They set the tone. Uh, I don't remember what all the topics were that we used to prepare for them. You know, it could have been the Arab Spring, or it could have been a Russian resurgence, or it could have been, you know, just pick another topic. But I do remember how they made me feel, right? Because these were genuine folks, and when they asked, how are you doing? They meant it. So the goal is not for you to walk around to anyone you work with and ask how you're doing. Uh, that may not be your style, but I, but I bring that up uh, about a, a couple of these old shipmates, right, Stavridis and, and Rogers, because they were genuine in who they were. And I'll use the word sailors, but it, it could be any member of the armed forces or any civilian that I've ever worked with. And when you make mistakes as a leader, right, when you're a manager or a leader in that case, people will forgive you if you're honest and you say, I really screwed up or I didn't think this through and we're going to have to do it over or, you know, I'm sorry it cost us time and effort. But they won't forgive you if you're a phony, right? And, and you try and bluff your way through all these things. And uh, no, one on, no one on this graphic is a phony, right, in, in my opinion. Um, you could talk all day about each one of them, uh, but they were genuine when they talked to you about what needed to be done and how I felt about working uh, with them as well. Uh, I didn't use the specific examples about teamwork uh, along the way. And I'd say General Stan McChrystal 
was uh, the greatest leader uh, in terms of uh, building a team. In fact, he's written a book about it, right? You've probably read it, Team of Teams, right? He's, he not only built teams, he built teams of teams. And trust and loyalty and relationships, uh, I've never seen anyone finer. And there are a lot of different ways I can demonstrate the, that to you. Uh, but let me use one tactical example. It, it leads into tone as well. Uh, you can imagine he was a pretty busy fellow, right? He was the commander of Joint Special Operations Command, you know, for a lot worldwide, right? Happened to be most of the activity in the day in Southwest Asia. But if something was happening in the Philippines or in the Sahel region of Africa, that was Joint Special Operations Command as well. Anyway, if you sent an email to General McChrystal, whether you were a civilian a contractor, an officer, enlisted, I could guarantee you, you would get a response back. And it was, if he was on the two line, and he encouraged that type of information flow. So that's teamwork. So you think of how busy he was, right? If he was on the two line and you sent it to him and others, right? Hey, General, in response to your question this morning, uh, here's the follow-up. Okay, you, you fill in your three to five sentences. You'd get a response back, and it was never okay, or thanks, or got it. It was, Paul, really appreciate that. This is highly valuable. You know, we really need to start moving in this direction, and I'm glad you CC'd all these other folks. So, at the same time, uh, it distributed intent and action for the rest of the team to do other things, but it made you feel very valuable and that your word as a junior, relatively junior member of the team uh, was being afforded uh, all uh, its just uh, attention. And it was high praise, right? And chances are, it doesn't have to be a general. Well, let's just say you, you gotta send a message up to Mr. Cosgrave upstairs, right? You know. Uh, you're probably going to spend an extra minute or two spell-checking it and making sure it looks just right. And if he, number one, worst thing, never says anything back to you, hmm, that's kind of demotivating. <laughs> How much time am I going to put into that email for the team next time? Or you just get back a, got it, thanks, okay. So I've never bought into the theory that senior leaders are busy. Uh, too busy to write back someone who takes the time to go direct to them. And it's up to the leader to determine do they want direct communications. There's pros and cons of that. I'll let individuals decide. But uh, Stan McChrystal, absolutely the tops uh, on that. Okay. Uh, that's some on tone. Mm, tenacity. That little picture says a lot right there. Uh, that's not my hand, you know, for the record. The Alexandria rock climbing, you know, place is uh, about as uh, risky as I'll get if I'm really counting on pulling myself up uh, beyond that. Listen, uh, tenacity is not endurance, right? We, we, we can all endure and persevere to some degree, right? Uh, tenacity is perseverance with a purpose. You know how I like three alliteration, teamwork, tone, tenacity. I only come up with two there. 
Uh, I could probably force a third P in, but tenacity to me is perseverance with a purpose. It's knowing what your end state is going to be in business or in life and working your way backwards. And it's making sure that you're willing to go that extra mile to get there, right? There's an op- there are always obstacles. Some are lesser than, than uh, others. But when you encounter an obstacle, uh, who's got the indomitable will to just achieve the end state that you envisioned before you began? Do you go through it? Do you go over it? Do you go under it? Do you go around it? Right? Uh, there's no giving up. And the folks that demonstrated the most tenacity that I ever saw, from a strategic perspective, I tell you it was General Petraeus, right? He was literally almost laughed off of the national stage when he came up with this idea for the surge. Right? Uh, you probably study it, you know, here in some of the courses. I know there are five different majors. Uh, and... Uh, it's a good overlap case study if not already used. Right? He was politically ridiculed. Even his own military peers uh, weren't sure that his uh, plan for a counterinsurgency success in about 2005 time frame in Iraq would work. But he was tenacious in his strategic vision, outlook, maintained good tone, had a team uh, of folks that he could trust and were loyal to him. I wasn't one of them, not that I was disloyal. I just wasn't part of uh, his team at that time. We just hadn't encountered yet. I rolled in on it later on and saw it in action. But he was strategically tenacious, right? So uh, he was unbending uh, in what he thought would work, and it was grounded in uh, both academic and professional rigor. Uh, The two on the right there, Todd Schroeder and Annette Teresi, we all showed up about the same time in the summer of 2009 in Afghanistan, right? Uh, I went out there with General McChrystal. You may recall recent Afghan history. Mm-hmm. We were losing right, in a pretty severe way in Afghanistan in summer of 2009. In fact, the, the former ISAF, International Security Assistance Force Commander, uh, General McKiernan, uh, was replaced by General McChrystal on rather short notice. So uh, we needed to change the way we were conducting counterinsurgency and counterterrorism operations in Afghanistan. Uh, I hadn't met Todd Schroeder or Annette Teresi uh, before, so I didn't have the relationship, trust, or loyalty yet. But I never met some, a couple of folks more tenacious in building something out of nothing. We were given an empty gym, we're told where to find the Air Force engineers and construct a new allied intelligence center and uh, create uh, new connectivity norms and establish a network of intelligence professionals uh, through the four or five different regions of Afghanistan. And they each had unique skill sets. In fact, Todd Schroeder wasn't there right away and uh, Annette Teresi had to convince me uh, to, to bring him out. And uh, it was a scene for those of you who uh, follow old uh, cartoons from the Merry Melodies or the Looney Tunes eras, right? There's Foghorn Leghorn, the big old looking you know, rooster, 
That was kind of neat. And then there's Henry the chicken hawk, you know, who's going to, you know, deal with the rooster, you know. And that was uh, Colonel Teresi. And uh, every now and then I'd get the uh, proverbial shaking by the collars. You don't understand. We need Todd Schroeder. We need someone who is tenacious that can get this all done. And back to the reverse mentoring, right? So uh, he became our senior enlisted leader and go-to person. And, uh, and uh, these are friends for life uh, because when the poo hit the fan, right, uh, for us there to get things done on short notice, while people are shooting at you, and you're losing a war, it was pretty important uh, to be both timely and good with what we're doing. And they had the perseverance right, uh, to understand what the end state would look like and we kept working our way backwards. Now, we never did, for the record, we never did anything illegal, immoral, or unethical. You know, but we worked hard and we worked in the gray areas uh, but uh, we never worked in the red uh, areas when it, when it came to that. I may be mixing my color metaphors, but you get the idea uh, of what I, I'm uh, talking about there. All right, so those are some quick thoughts on, on a, a much longer topic about leadership in general. But what I found were three words that helped bring a, a lot of aspects of leadership together. And there are a lot of subsets into each one. Right? You pick the adjective or the trait that you think uh, is part of leadership, and I could have expanded the list, only it wouldn't follow my group of threes. Right? People remember things in threes. Uh, we got, uh, what, earth, wind, fire. On your marks, get set, go. Uh, A, B, C. Uh, it, Teamwork, tone, yeah, tenacity, you, you get it. It, it kind of flows. Ah, but how do you make sure people remember what you're talking about? Do you just put up your vision statement you know, on the wall and you send out an email once a year for your annual uh, training reminder? No. Uh, I'd recommend to any leader here, wherever you go, to come up with your version of what I called the gold standard, right? And I still keep a few copies, right? They're very easy to carry around because they fit, you know, right here in your jacket pocket. So the gold standard, appropriately on what color paper so you don't lose it. Canary yeah. yellow. Yeah, well, it could be canary yellow. Depends on the stock of paper your wife sends you from, you know, the Kinko's office to your ship or to your desert outpost. But yes, you know, there, you can see there are some different shades there. We're not uniform. Uh, but the, the, the aim was to make it gold. You don't lose it with the rest of your white papers around your desk. It's a recognizable phrase, right? The gold standard. Uh, and inside, we talked about why we're doing what we're doing, how we're doing what we're doing, and what we're doing. Okay? And it's portable. Right? If you really don't want to read it, you can just fold it in half and use it as a coaster you know, for, your, for your drink. You know, put it on your nightstand. You put your warm glass of milk right on top of it. It's unclassified right? for an intel professional. Uh, anything that's produced at the unclassified level is, is fun. And we talk about it in, in every one of those. These are different places I've used them over the last 15 years. Uh, from Bahrain to Tampa to Afghanistan. 
to Hawaii, to the most treacherous place of them all, Washington, D.C. And uh, so when anyone showed up in the command where we worked, right, I was either the director of intelligence or commanding officer, but didn't have to be. Could have done it if I thought of this as a younger person, right, when I was a department head or a mid-level leader as well. If you were part of our team, everyone got a copy of this. And we had a face-to-face -face sit down in the office. Hi, welcome to fill in the blank. Welcome to NAVSENT N2, Naval Forces Central Command, Intel Directorate in Bahrain. Glad you're here. We're a long way from home. Everyone's unaccompanied. How are you doing? <laughs> no, really. How are you doing, right? You, you've had to leave your, your spouse and your children and your dogs and your home, and you're going to be here for a year or two unaccompanied in a high-stress environment. How are you doing? Who is your sponsor? You know, are you getting enough water? Okay, let's talk about the work we do. You know, you'll have an individual portfolio that you're going to be the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps military analyst. Okay, I have no unique uh, advice. You know, you, you have two or three layers in the chain of command between me and you. They're going to help you on what you do there. But I do want to talk to you about why the Naval Forces Central Command mission is important in relation to the Central Command's mission. I want to tell you why what you're doing on the IRGC military is important to our comprehensive understanding of Iran and the region. And I want to emphasize to you right, the basic principles of how we'll comport ourselves here. Right? It's the sheet of music that we all sing by. It's teamwork, tone, and tenacity. And here's some thoughts on, on every one of them. So it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone in the command. Right? If they're not doing well, uh, they get feedback that, hmm, that's not the teamwork we're looking for. Okay, I'm hearing from the N3 and the ops department that you're unwilling, you know, or didn't show up at the operational planning team meeting. That's embarrassing to you, it's embarrassing to us. More importantly, we're not adding the teams, we're not aiding the teams moving forward on this issue. Oh, someone forwarded me this email that you sent to them, which is really smarky. That's a combination between smarmy and snarky. Right? That's not how we want to represent ourselves in writing. That's not good tone. And where are you on this project? It was due last night. I came in this morning, I got nothing. Oh, okay, you're sick, you're busy. No, you work it backwards, right? These are small tactical anecdotal examples, but you get an idea. And if you have a reference point, that's great. And then you know how the military, they love those challenge coins. I don't carry them around anymore because you know, I'm finally Mr. Becker again after you know, all those years in uniform. But uh, if someone really is an exemplar of the things that you talk about are important, find a way to reward them. And there are a lot of different ways to reward folks, right? In the military, we love giving out medals and ribbons. Uh, typically, you don't give those out every day, though. Uh, we can't give out cash awards, at least to those in uniform. Uh, attaboys are great, and I recommend them, right? You know, public praising on emails or in uh, assemblies. Uh, but a little something, whatever it may be, uh, whatever your version of a, of a feel-good recognition prize for someone's uh, behavior that will incentivize them, right, to do that kind of thing. That one happened to be my joint staff J2 coin. And uh, that's a 
Pentagon so you could tell where I work. So I'm reconsidering whether I should carry a coin as a Mr. Becker, right, the T3 group guy. And, but I think it'll be the triangle, right, and the teamwork, tone, and tenacity because my Pentagon days are done. I don't want people to confuse me really with, you know, being the old military guy. All right. Uh, hey, this is the closing slide. So I mentioned you can check out my website. Uh, I talk about these issues to both corporate uh, folks and uh, the healthcare industry quite a bit. Surprisingly, more healthcare than, than corporate. Uh, I have a unique story to tell. Uh, I'll just, uh, in summary, not to tease you too much, right? In, in, on December 23rd, 2014, a couple, not too many hours before Christmas Eve, I was diagnosed with stage four bone marrow cancer at Walter Reed Hospital, aka Bethesda Naval Hospital. Uh, I had just run the, uh, the Honolulu Marathon. I thought I was otherwise healthy. Probably the most of the medicine I had taken in my adult life was Motrin and Tylenol. Uh, so uh, there the three T's met the three U's, right? The unwanted, the unexpected, and the uncertain. Uh, there the poo hit the fan, right? Uh, well, what do you do in a situation like this? Well, I fell back on teamwork tone tenacity as a way to guide my family behavior, as a way to guide my behavior with the healthcare professionals that I became associated with. It's a good thing I didn't know that there was no stage five, you know, on, a, on stages of cancer. When they said you have stage four, I thought, it's, you know, it's like six stages from stage 10. I'm probably nowhere near the end, right? No. Uh, the outcome was in doubt. Uh, and I spent most of 2015 in the hospital, and I went through high-dose chemotherapy and uh, several surgeries and uh, something really sporty called a stem cell transplant. Right? And uh, faith, family, fitness, uh, they all helped pull me through. And this is why I have a passionate about uh, sharing this story. And uh, that's why I believe, just like that big piece of chocolate says, that, that life is good. For the record, I did not eat that chocolate. I didn't even open it because uh, it would have been too much for even me, you know, to down at the time. So that's a picture maybe about 12 years ago in Kuwait. Uh, and I was probably... Uh, 12 years and 15 pounds ago, I think. You know, that, that seems about right, you know, uh, from where I am. All right, uh, those are my closing comments on teamwork, tone, tenacity, right? They work anywhere. I learned about them in the military from some of the greatest military leaders of this generation, maybe of all time. Uh, but they're not just military lessons, right? They apply to the corporate world, they apply to the real world, they apply to personal crises uh, as well. And I just uh, urge you to consider them as a framework to use uh, whenever you need them. So, uh, yes, sir, the first question there. And we could talk about teamwork, tone, tenacity, or sports, politics, media, entertainment, whatever's on your mind, because we have about 10 minutes or so. How would you uh, handle if someone on your team was a prevailing individual who was using his talents for his own benefit, you know, to set the dominant heart? Yeah. How would you handle that person? Yeah, it's, a, it's an important point, right? Uh, and the best thing to do is direct contact as quick as possible, right? Uh, I worked for a, a boss once who said, you should never walk by a mistake, right? If, even if you're just walking in the corridors, you know, the passageways as we call them on a ship, right? And there's a piece of trash on the floor, 
and so what that you don't work there, it's not your space, pick it up, right? Just, just pick it up and clean it up. So, even more important, if you're responsible, you know, for the morale, welfare, performance of a team, and there's a Machiavellian, you know, personality within it, you know, who maybe at best you could say they're a vicious complier, but at worst they're just a vicious non-complier, right? Uh, sit that person down, say, here's my perception of where we are. Right? Don't let it last a minute more than it has to. Right? There's ways to do it professionally. There may be HR guidelines in your organization. Make sure you follow them. Right? Have a third person you know, in there if that's the case. Right? It's not a conspiracy, it's just an extra set of eyes. Hey, here's what we're trying to do as a team. Here's my perception of how you are not helping us. Okay? As long as I'm accountable and responsible and part of, you know, I don't know, you use the phrase chain of command in, in civilian uh, corporation, but part of your hierarchy, right, part of the office hierarchy, uh, I, I want to let you know, consider this verbal instruction that you're out of compliance with where we're going. Here's what, it's not just pointing out the problem. Here's what we recommend Here's what I recommend. Here's what we recommend if you have an HR partner there. Here's what we recommend you do about it. And let's give that a try. And once one end of the spectrum, the person will say, wow, I had no idea I was you know, that type of idiot. Chances are they did, right? You know, and, and the other aspect, they'll probably be closer to this. I don't know what you're talking about, and you know, you know, I, I am, I am the model employee, and all that stuff. Well, okay, so now let's suppose you're stuck with them, policymakers and political leaders of the future. It's tough to fire some GSs, for example, you know, within the government uh, system. Well, you can minimize their role. You may not be able to fire them as a, as a true private employee, but I've had this. I've had this in a lot of levels. Okay. Uh, I'm, you know, we can't dock your pay. We're going to continue to give you counseling that you're not the ideal team player and you're not supporting our goals. But we're not going to have you in charge of other people. I'm going to put you in charge of working by yourself on individual projects where you report directly to me. Right? And, and it's, it's not to put the screws to them. It's just we're minimizing their malign influence on others. And in some cases, that changed people's tune, and they got back on board because they missed the interaction after all was said and done about being part of something bigger than themselves. But others just got the message and eventually quit because they didn't like being marginalized. So I use the tools like that. Uh, right now, I only have one other employee in the Becker T3 group. It's my wife. There's zero chance I would fire her, uh, but there's zero chance she would have any malign influence on me as well. But uh, I. We're on the verge of hiring, you know, someone because things are just fine now, right? But you know, suppose I have 20, 30 folks down the road, and uh, how do I how do I know about this? Did I learn any of that from you know the heroes uh, whose picture I showed you before? Nope. Uh, it's a it's more than a lifetime's worth of experience. It's a lot about reading. I have uh, the Becker Teamwork Tone Tenacity reading list. It's nine books. One of them is the story of Shackleton's expedition to uh, the Antarctic, 
right? Uh, you may know his ship Endurance became icebound. He led every single member of his team to safety in a real harrowing tale of daring, daring do. But he realized he had some Machiavellian complainers, right, uh, in his icebound uh, Antarctic camp. And he kept them in his tent and away from the others, right? So, you know, they didn't spread their ill will. And that's an important sense of leadership as well. Great point. Thank you for bringing it up. What else would you like to talk about? Yes, sir. And then sir, uh, a lot of our commissioning sources and stuff teach a lot about leadership to the uh, your officers and stuff. Um, and, and it's usually examples of good leadership. Um, but then when you're out there, you find yourself in a position where you're gaining lots of experience of what not to do from a not-so-good leader. Um, and I learned later on that someone finally said, well, it's your responsibility to make them better. Reverse mentor them. What are the techniques for that? And does, that doesn't always go over real well. You're right. And they find out they're, they're being reverse mentors. Another great point. Uh, I always try to lighten the load of my leaders who were bad leaders. Uh, that means there was less that they could screw up, <laughs> right? Or less that they could you know, spoil by their brand of leadership. So uh, you're, it's an awkward conversation for a junior to tell any senior, hey, you're really missing the point. You know, we get it down here, but you don't get it up there. That's an awkward conversation to have, right? Kids, uh, I tried that once with my dad, right? It didn't work out too well. Right? Uh, I never tried that with, you know, a very senior officer. But there are subtle ways. This is, uh, listen, leadership is not a, uh, it, it's not a title, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an accumulation of behaviors and activities, right? That, that's what leadership is. So leadership is just as much about influence, right? And it doesn't have to be, right? It doesn't have to be John Wayne in the sands of Iwo Jima, you know, in the upper right. That, that's one type of leadership, right? Follow me, grunts. Okay, we're, we're going to take, take this speech ahead and hell. Uh, there could be influence, not malign influence, but positive influence. Okay, this person is an idiot. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's probably stronger, but okay, they're not as helpful as we wish. How can we come up with a plan to subdivide his tasks, her tasks, so we each get a piece of it and maybe come up with a solution? So it's a, a bit of innovative thinking. Uh, try to lighten the load uh, of someone who may not be overburdened. You know, it's not that they have too much in their backpack. It's just uh, they're doing it wrong to, to what you think. So offer some alternative solutions, right? I'm just piggyback off that. Uh, okay. Show that talent. Don't tell them they're doing it wrong. Show a better solution. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, well said. You could give the lecture. Now. Right. Okay, you know. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for your presentation. I think this is really concept is very good. But in a real situation, whether in private sector or public sector, like whistleblowers, they are always isolated. It's very hard to, to have a T3 in practice. So is there any better way to add uh, so maybe the DOJ or personnel office to really impose a prosecution about employer who practice uh, 
Well, you know, thank you. Uh, you're right. For big, big organizations like DOJ or DOD, you know, is is it, I don't have a good answer for you. Uh, we don't. You, you don't get a better leader who embodies the attributes of teamwork, tone, tenacity, than someone like uh, General Mattis. Okay, he's all those things and then some. So he's at the pinnacle of the DOD, pretty big organization. But can we assure that in a big bureaucracy that every key department uh, and service will, will follow his lead on, on these principles? No. Uh, so that's, I don't have a good answer for you, so I would just say for anyone that you're associated with, just, just try and come up with a grassroots solution at your level and hopefully, uh, like, a, like a good idea or a, a, a drop of water in a pond, the ripple will spread. Back to my point of, I wasn't always in the best teams, right? As much as I thought I, I had a handle on how organizational behavior should occur, uh, there was someone at the base that did it better. What, what was their special sauce? Hmm, what did they have that we don't have? Let me try and emulate that uh, over here. And sometimes it didn't take. And I left that job back to the point of, oh, I learned lessons from the great leaders. I didn't point out all the terrible leaders I have all the way. That's dirty cool if I put up pictures of you know, all the people that I thought were morons you know, that I worked for <laughs> over the years. And there were plenty. And you probably have your share too, right? You know, you know, I'm 56. You don't have to be 56 year old to to have had, you know, your share of working for morons uh, along the way, uh, but not good tone, right? To call them out by name or photo. But uh, I, I'd share with you that uh, is a citation from a famous dead admiral named Hyman Rickover. He's the father of the nuclear navy. So Rickover was keen on pointing out that success teaches nothing. Only failure teaches. So it's okay if you have a bad boss, not in general, but if you're taking away what not to do, <laughs> you know, when you have the chance to apply it elsewise. So I don't mean to be too much of a Pollyanna uh, about this, but if there's a bad boss, a bad leadership situation, you may be trapped there for a while. There's no fancier way to say it. Uh, and you're unable to affect change even by influence from the middle or the lower levels. But when you get the chance, when you move along somewhere else, hmm, take good notes, apply them, and, and just try and improve the situation elsewhere. So I'm mindful of your time. It's 5 o'clock. I'll stay as long as you'd like. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I just thank you for listening uh, to a little bit about teamwork, tone, tenacity. I hope uh, they'll aid you in your professional endeavors, and hope to see you again. Thank you all. Thank you.